Good morning, everybody. Good morning, church. I got you, Joel. He's always asking me. Thank you guys for being here this morning and uh, being online. I know we have quite a few people who can watch uh, the live stream or watch the videos later. So thank you guys for being here in whatever capacity you might be. Um, over, the, over March here, I guess, in March, I've been taking uh, time to do a little series. And the purpose of the series is the purpose of. And that's kind of the title I've been giving it. And we've looked at a few different things about the purpose of things that we interact with as Christians. So I started off, we talked about the purpose of hell. And it wasn't made for us. It was made for Satan, and he wants to bring everybody along with him as much as he can. He knows he's defeated, but he wants to bring. And that's what we're talking about this morning in spiritual warfare. Then I talked about the purpose of the church and what we are to be doing as the church. We should be internal, building one another up, external, uh, serving others in our communities, and then missional, serving them with a point to bring them to Christ. And then I also talked about the purpose of repentance. See, in the church, we like to talk about baptism a lot, and it's exactly as much of our life change as repentance is, isn't it? Repentance is a change of mind. Go from the worry of the world and the worry of myself to the focus of God, His world, and His commands, right? And so we repent from our sins, we turn around completely and start thinking like God. And so having this focus of, of God's focus in repentance and thinking about the things of the church, I want to continue in this purpose of series. And next week, Travis is going to do the same thing. He's going to think about the purpose of stopping. But today, I'm going to probably pull a fast one on you. You might not expect this. Today, I want to talk about the purpose of pastors. Not me. So you might be thinking, <laughs> especially with this graphic up here, you might be thinking, Harold, you can't give a sermon on yourself. And I'm not gonna. I'll just tell you that right now. Not gonna give a sermon on myself. But the reason you might be thinking that, despite my beautifully obvious not me picture, is the reason you might think I'm trying to give a sermon on myself is because of our definition in America, of the, of the word pastor. Our definition, if you were to go look it up, you know, Google it, <laughs> if you were to go Google define pastor, the definition of the pastor, you'd get something pretty simple and straightforward. You get something like a minister in charge of a Christian church or congregation. Overly simple answer, isn't it? And so if I just, uh, <laughs> if I just gave sermons from Google... I'd have a simple one. I'd just put my face back up there, right? But it's not quite that simple. And if you were to find it like that, of course I would be a pastor. I'm a minister. I'm a minister of this Christian congregation, of this church. I preach. So if I preach, according to Google in America, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. But I'm not. And this isn't a sermon about me, so I'll get to that here in a minute, and I'll explain it a little bit more. So if you're going off of this uh, English definition of pastor, I would be it. I'd be the pastor for the Riverton Church. But I'm just the preacher. I'm the minister, and I, I fit this definition. But as Christians and as a church, we don't teach and preach off of Google's definition. We teach and preach off of the Bible. And thankfully, the Bible defines things for us quite often, especially the things that we use as Christians in our Christian life and the words that we have within the church. So pastor's no different. 
And let me tell you, there's a whole lot more than just a simple couple of words to define a pastor. God has given us some amazing things, so that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at the purpose of pastors from a scriptural standpoint. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that's where we started this morning, and I had Larry read for us. He read verses 11 and 12, but I want to read um, 11 and 12 and continue on a little bit as well. So I know it's, it's not too small up there. I had to put it on two slides so we could get all these verses, but Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 is what I'm going to read. And Larry was in the NLT, but I'm going to be in the ESV, the English Standard, this morning. It writes and says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine or by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which of with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Again, these were our opening verses, but I kept going a little bit more there. And these verses here in Ephesians, they're written by Paul. And what he's doing is he's talking about these different roles that we have within the body. You, got, you know it's Paul when we start talking about the body of Christ, right? Paul loves that. He loves, it's a great example and image for us to take. The body of Christ, you can see that it's Paul. But what he's talking about is these Christians that are working together to be the church, each unique in their own part. And here, well, you see at the beginning, he talks about the apostles and the prophets. So the prophets are those of the old, the old messengers of God that would give his word. Well, today, we have prophets, but not in the same way that's referenced here, because we already have the Word. So we just say it, right? We have the Word of God. But the prophets of old, they got messages directly from God to give. So he talks about the prophets. He talks about the apostles. So those were the core group of Jesus' ministry. And Paul um, got accepted into that core group, if you will, scripturally. And so this is the core group around Jesus. What did they do? They continued to teach the message even after Jesus was crucified and after he ascended. They shared the gospel. But then we get into ones that we continue to use to this day. The prophets of old are gone. The apostles have died. But now we have the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. The evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, or as Larry's version would say, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. See, it's a biblical word. So what's the point of these people in the body of Christ? Well, they are the ones that do the work. These are the ones that push for the body to grow. And as Paul would say here, he uses it twice, speaking in truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is head, into Christ. And then there at the end, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He kind of restates himself twice there, doesn't he? The evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. 
What are they to do? Well, they're to grow the body. How? In love. They're to help us be a strong body to fight against Satan. Talking about spiritual warfare, we have helpers within us that'll teach us and grow us and guide us. Simply put, Paul is saying these people are the ones that'll help make you a strong Christian in love. They're the ones to be your teammates. And part of my job is described right here in the beginning of Ephesians 4. I know I have to go back and forth a couple of times. Part of my job is right here as well, isn't it? I fit here into the evangelist and the teacher. Of course I do. I'm up here talking to you like a teacher. But today I want to talk about the shepherds, the pastors. And I'll I'll talk about myself a little bit there at the end. And there's nothing wrong with me being a teacher, an evangelist. Nothing wrong with that. I'm glad to be that. I'm glad that God uses me in that way. But today, how can we continue to grow the body of Christ? Well, let's talk about those pastors a little bit. Paul will continue the same sort of thought about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians as well. So if you want to turn there, a few verses here in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and 28. Again, just kind of reiterating this idea of pastors, shepherds. He would write to the church and he'd say, Now you are the body of Christ and each individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, the gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do they all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. See, here we don't have the word uh, pastor given to us, but the point of what Paul is saying is the body of Christ, yet again, has many different pieces. Many different parts, many different roles and jobs within it, right? Just a minute ago, I said, it's great. I'm a teacher. I'm fine with that. That's the role that I am in. He's but basically, Paul's sharing all these various jobs within the church. And some of them, sadly, get more glory than others, and they shouldn't. The apostles and prophets and the teachers and the miracles, those are pretty amazing things. But do you notice in this list, we also have helping, administrating. Those are the ones that don't get the glory that often, but yet they're just as much part of the body, just as much a service to the church. So ladies, when you're out there making potluck at the end of, I see you back there. Nobody else sees you. I see you go back there and pull the casserole out of the oven for potluck. Why are you doing that? You're helping, you're serving. Other people that do administrating tasks, just as important. Gloria makes the bulletin, just as important to the church, right? I teach, but whatever. We all work together as the body of Christ. And so Paul is putting all of these jobs on the same playing field, if you will, and rightfully so. He's saying we are all members of the body and we serve in the roles that we're given and we do it with love in a more excellent way and we just try and grow and grow our gifts, right? So we have jobs within the body of Christ and for me it's absolutely okay to be a teacher and it's absolutely okay to be a pastor, but I'm not a pastor. We'll get there in a sec. So the fact is, I want you to know 
that I'm not your pastor. And I know it's easy to say because we've talked about the American definition. It's easy to go around and say, oh yeah, my pastor down there at the Church of Christ is Harold. And I want to let you know, it is a heavy urge on my heart to someday be a pastor. I think God has called many of us to do that, but for me right now, I am not yet at that point because we don't define based on American Google definitions. We define based on the Bible. If you were to look at Ephesians 11, and you probably caught it in Larry's, my ESV says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. But Larry's, or the NLT or the NIV, depending on your version, might have a little different word there, right? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Why would I put the same verse side by side? Well, I want to point out the fact that pastors have lots of different names. In the Bible, we see the word pastor right along the word shepherd or overseer or elder, and I might be missing some still. Bishop, yeah, that's the King James, that's the King James word, bishop, right? Watchman. See, it's like it's this idea of the same role, but different titles, right? And you might be, well, that can't be the same role. Those are different. Well, no, no, we do that all the time in our culture, don't we? Some of you might know Larry used to be a sheriff. And thank you for being a sheriff for the years you were. But I tell you what, when the sheriff pulls me over, I, uh, I don't take the time to make sure I say that's the sheriff. When he comes up to the window, I say, good evening, officer. And like, that's not exactly, you know, the only word he has to describe him. When I'm driving by going too fast, I, oh, no, there's the cops. 5-0, whatever you want to call them, right? We understand that even though this is still the sheriff, the authority over the county when it comes to law enforcement, we can give him many different titles. Now Larry's just Larry. He's not sheriff anymore. But see, we, we do this in our culture. We understand that there can be many different words that label the same exact person, the same exact role. And so I don't want us to get confused in the English or the versions. You see these words like overseer, pastor, elder, uh, presbyter, uh, <laughs> over, I, I, elder. I don't know. I missed a few there. But anyway, these all have the same meaning. They all point to the same role within the body. And the one you might be most familiar with if you're old school church, it might be elder, right? That's the word that we have. Most people uh, give the name tags and they say they're elder, right? But really, these are all the same role. These are all the same job. The shepherd, the pastor, the elder, the overseer, they're all the same role, just a different label that means the same thing. So don't get too confused on that. It's the same person. But what is that person? Who is that person? What do they do and what do they look like? Well, Google says it's me, but the Bible says, oh, it's so much more than Harold. <laughs> Thank goodness. 1 Timothy chapter 3, um, verses 1 through 7. And this is, this is the core scripture that most people will take you when you're talking about overseers, shepherds, pastors. 1 Timothy 3, uh, 1 through 7, if you want to read it with me. It's talking about this office, if you will. The saying is trustworthy. 
If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, pastor, shepherd, elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace or into a snare of the devil. 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, that was out of the ESV. So here we have, again, Paul. Paul speaking of the church. And what he's doing is he's writing and telling Timothy here. He's telling the description of who the pastors are. He's sharing the description of the overseers, those who fit this role, if you will, and how we can identify these people within the body of Christ. There's many different jobs, but how can we identify those who are doing this job, this role? And he gives us a few descriptions. Did you catch some of them? He says they must be, let me go back so you can see it, they must be above reproach. Well, that's a bible word. We don't use that one very often. What does that mean? That means they have integrity. There's no one questioning their motives. They must be above the judgment of false claims, right? They're integral would be the word. So they must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, no polygamy going on in the church yet again. I, no, that's not, don't, don't clip that and put that on anyone. No polygamy in the church. One wife, right? What about the next one? Sober-minded. Makes sense. That links right down to the not a drunkard, right? If you're drunk all the time, you're not sober-minded. So clear thinking, self-controlled. Clear thinking and reserved. Respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. They're respectable, they're hospitable, and yet they also can be a teacher. Sometimes those things don't go together. You notice how in our culture, we would say you're not respectable and hospitable if you're a teacher? That's not always true, is it? These can be all together. Not a drunkard, not violent, not quarrelsome, and not the lover of money. Here we have the description of who these people are. These are not, not rules that we give a test over. It's like, you know, how many wives have you had at one time? No. We don't give a test over this, but what this is is a description of who these pastors are. He says they must not be a recent convert so they're not puffed up, but instead they take care of their own house, they take care of the church. These are people that we can see are living lives like this. These are brothers who are pastors because we look at them and we say, of course they are. 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 kind of gives us the description. It's all because they are the managers of the church. Managing their house and managing the people of God. And again, it says they're not a recent convert. 
So this is kind of where we get the connection of the word elder. We think they're older people, right? And that's all right. That's all right. So this is the description we have of pastors. But a minute ago, I was telling you I'm not a pastor. Do I fit this description? I would hope you'd say, some. I'd hope you say that I'm not a drunkard. <laughs> I really do. I hope you'd say I'm sober-minded and self-controlled. Just don't watch me too close all the time. I'd hope you say I'm respectable and hospitable, and here I am teaching. So I'd hope you'd give me a few of those. But what about some of the other ones of this? Do I manage my own household well? Well, you need to come meet our dogs. They're spoiled little brats. I told you, I, I, I feel it in my heart that God is calling me to be a pastor someday. But my point is, I'm not there yet. You see, in our house, we don't have any children running around. We definitely don't have any children that understand who God is and that Jesus came for them. See, when I manage my household, I can't wait for the day when I tell my children of Jesus. And when they accept that, that's going to be my goal of managing my household well. The dogs will be long gone. See, right now, I'm awaiting that time in my life. And so, I'm not a pastor. I haven't raised up my household well, and I haven't kept my children submissive, and I haven't managed them yet because they don't exist. Now, there might come a day in my life, and I've never had children, and this one doesn't apply to me. <laughs> but for right now, I can't wait until God has put me through those things so I can be a pastor for him. Because right now, I'm just a teacher, and that's okay. Right now, I'm just a preacher, or an evangelist is the word that's used quite often for the category of me in Scripture. And Paul doesn't just uh, give it, but Peter also gives kind of this description of pastor, if you will. Elders is the wording used here in the ESV, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness in the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So we have these traits and description of who a pastor is, but here we also have the description of what they do. The description of what they do. What do they do? Well, they're a partaker in what God has revealed but what they do with that is they shepherd the flock. See, us churchgoers, we're just a bunch of sheep. We're trying to follow God, and we know we got to do that, but we need some shepherds to guide us along the way. Some shepherds that can oversee us. Not meanly, not for their own gain, but eagerly showing the example to us. Not ruling with an iron fist like a king, but shepherding us. And that is a fantastic word. I love the word shepherd because sheep are dumb and shepherds are patient. Jesus used the idea of a shepherd over and over again, right? Think of the parable where the shepherd left the 99 to find the one, one dumb sheep. 
That's what a shepherd does for us, right? And that's what a pastor is to do. He's to guide and watch over this flock of sheep. The examples given to us that these are leaders with purpose of growing the church physically and spiritually. And Paul would share the same exact point of elders, shepherds, and acts. One verse, Acts 20, 28, talking to the overseers, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This is the job of a pastor. This is the job of a shepherd to watch over the church, watch over the flock. This is what it's all about. Jesus claimed it with his own blood. Again, in Titus. Titus, we have this example of shepherds yet again. Titus 1, 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as it's taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it, who contradict it. Again, the description of the shepherd, pastor, overseer is he's taking care of the flock because he's experienced in taking care of life. Here in Titus, this was instructions from Paul to Titus on picking overseers, on how to identify who these shepherds and pastors are. He's giving this to him, if you remember, one of the first lines is so he can appoint elders in every town. Or another word would be, in every congregation, identify these different men that are shepherds, pastors. So there's a challenge there to look for these traits in somebody and see if they're identified to it. But there's also kind of a challenge here, isn't there? For Titus, Paul's giving him instruction. He's telling him, go into all the congregations and identify the pastors. Don't just let them be unnamed and unidentified. See, he's not telling Titus to go have an election. He's not telling Titus to go pick his favorite guys in the crowd. In fact, Paul would also say, this is a word from Paul, right? Paul would say that the Holy Spirit is the one who chooses the overseers. That's in Romans. Pretty easy one to look up if you just want to type in overseer Holy Spirit. You'll get it. That's in Romans. So this is not a job for Titus to go pick his favorite people. Instead, he's to go identify what the Holy Spirit has already selected. Pretty important part of the pastor job, isn't it? In other words, you can't hire a pastor. Maybe you could, but it's God who does the choosing, right? It's God who puts this on the shepherd's heart. And in all of, all of the good overseers I see, they say, I don't know why I do this. I just got to. And that is the heart 
of a shepherd. I don't know why these sheep are always running on me, but I just got to do it. See, that's the description of a shepherd throughout the New Testament. But the challenge is there for Titus to identify them. The challenge is there for Titus to identify them. So I kind of fit the role of a Titus more. I'm an evangelist. I'm a teacher. I go around mostly here and preach, but I go around a little bit. That's what I do. Not a pastor. I don't oversee the flock. I like to think of myself as a sheepdog. I just bark at the flock while the shepherd tries to get it together, right? Do I really have any pull on you guys? I don't know, but I'm going to bark my best, right? Titus is called to a point to identify the pastor. So I think it's a good time to appoint the pastors in Riverton. And these guys know I'm, I'm doing this. It's not an election. It's not my favorite people. These are the people that we as a body see described in Scripture. Larry, we see you as a shepherd described in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, Titus 1-5. through We see you as a shepherd. Thank you for continuing to oversee this flock. Craig Shaw, we see you as one of the shepherds of our flock. Described in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, thank you for continuing to oversee this flock of sheep. And he knows I'm doing this. He's not here this morning, but Bill Holtz, we see you as a shepherd described in 1 Timothy and Titus. Thank you for continuing to oversee this flock of lost sheep and a crazy sheepdog. Now, church, these three guys up here and in your midst, these are the ones that you can go to as pastors. These are the ones you can go to as a lost sheep and say, shepherd me, I need some guidance. These are the ones that you can go to for wisdom and leadership. They're your pastors. They're the shepherds of the sheep in Riverton, Wyoming. That's what biblical pastors are all about. And I believe in our body, this is who we see them as. So I started this off in saying, pastors, and you probably thought of me, but I'm not a pastor, am I? Someday I aspire to be that. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be a teacher and a pastor. I'm not saying that either. I'm just telling you I'm not there yet, and that's okay. But these three men, these three men at the very least are the shepherds of this body. Not because we elected them, not because they're my favorite, but because they filled the traits that were described in the Bible. So where does that leave me? <laughs> I've shared it a few times. I'm just a teacher. What's the purpose of the preacher? Again, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the very first line says that there is pastors and there is evangelists and there is teachers. I am totally comfortable with being in that evangelist and that teacher role. So I hope you're comfortable with that as well. I know you've got pastors in your midst. I don't need to worry about that yet. That's someday in the future. But right now, I'm just going to teach the gospel message from the Word of God. 
I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. and I'm going to teach his word. But you might be wondering about me, the guy who preaches a little bit. So let's look at a few more verses about the preacher. We talked about the pastor. I'm not him. Let's talk about me. 1 Timothy 4, uh, 12 through 16. If you want to turn there, feel free to. Or you can write it down and look it up later. First Timothy 4, verses 12 through 16. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the teaching and public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. And do not neglect that gift which you, that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and the hearers. That's in 1 Timothy. But also, the same two people, Paul to Timothy, yet again, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, five verses at the beginning. He says, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, whom is judged to the living and dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you... Always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So who are pastors? Overseers of these sheep. Who's the preacher? The preacher and teacher, right? There's some charge for me here too as well. You might notice both of these scriptures are in 1 Timothy. The description of, of pastors was in Timothy and Titus. You might notice the common theme here. These are always letters from a shepherd to a preacher. Paul, being the shepherd here, is writing to the younger, not yet pastor, Timothy. And he's telling Timothy, you have a very important job as well, right? And it's got a lot of its own. You need to conduct yourself well, have faith, be pure, and love on people. He says that in 1 Timothy 4. And then what's he say? He says, stick to the scripture, dwell in it, love it, and teach it, exhort and uplift and challenge people with it, right? He says, this is the gift that God gave you. This is your role. This is your part of the body. Do it. And when you do it, what might happen? When you do it, you might save somebody. And you might learn something yourself. He says it right there. He says, for by doing so, in, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So what do I do every Sunday? I just get up here and give the word of God, and I save myself yet again. And I hope I save some of you as well, because it's the word, not the preacher. So what am I to do? I'm ready. I need to be ready to preach the word. That's in the 2 Timothy verse. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, 
and don't give up. For right now, somebody might be listening to you, but don't stop preaching the truth just because you don't think anybody's listening. People like to listen to what they want to hear, but I just preach the truth, preach the word. It doesn't say preach your word or preach your favorite inspirational talk. It says preach the word of God, and so that's what I do. That's what I'm here for, and that's my role. And I am so grateful that we have pastors in our midst. And someday I'm going to be one, if God so desires. But right now, I'm just your teacher. So simply put, church, we are the flock. We are the flock of God's body, the sheep. And my job is the sheepdog. I'm going to keep teaching. I'm going to keep sharing the Word of God in season and out of season, and I'm going to learn some things, and I hope you do too. But ultimately, there's more than just me at this church. There's shepherds. The shepherds are the ones leading us. And you might notice they're not often the ones who get up here and bark. (laughs) That's my job. Often they're the ones that do things to lead the body behind the scenes, the ones that take care of the sheep when they're stuck in the fence, if you will. And I'm so grateful that we have shepherds, pastors, overseers that are leading us. And they're leading us, why? To be in a closer relationship with God. They know their purpose. Larry, Craig, and Bill, you guys know your purpose. So thank you. Thank you for continually shepherding this flock. Because pastors are important. Thank you, guys.